SMQBs, episode 65. We're covering the NBA conference finals that are all set. The NHL playoffs as well with a uh, phone line, open phone line from Canada. Uh, we're going to talk about what's wrong with the baseballs. No, not baseball, but actually the baseballs. We give you our PGA Championship preview, punchable face of the week, a Ted Lasso, and uh, just an overall good time. Check it out. Leave us a five-star review. Thanks for listening. And from the people, climb up on the booth. Hanging from the people on the people. My hands are roof. Dancing on the ceiling on the people. I got people on the Dancing on the people. I got people. SMQBs, this is episode 65. We are international this week, right? We've got people stationed around the globe. Rooster coming to us from where? Budapest. Budapest. We're going to have a call in from Canada and a report from St. Bart's from the fancy Brian Pope. Uh, Before we get to all that, though, this is a good one. Number 65 played with the Los Angeles Express starting in 1984. The Minnesota Vikings, the Denver Broncos. He was a Super Bowl champion, five-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, NFL 1980s All-Decade Team, NFL 1990s All-Decade Team. Wow. This is perhaps the most interesting thing is this guy joins – Reggie White, Steve Young, Jim Kelly, Marv Levy, George Allen, Bill Pullian, and Sid Gilman as former USFL, AFL league members who are enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Just pretty cool stat. Colts and the Broncos. So I, is it, is it the Vikings and Broncos? Vikings. Vikings and Broncos. All right, let me tell you a little bit more. He was an offensive lineman, yeah, and he was known perhaps, I mean, not just for his long career, he was obviously an excellent player, but he had a very strict no talking to the media rule. And as a result of his his rule that he got, and he got the entire Denver Broncos offensive line to not talk to the media for years, that the NFL passed a rule called the Denver Broncos O-line rule which requires all players to talk to the media. Huh. Did he end his career in Denver? He did in 1997. Seven. Okay. So we got it. It's, yeah. it's going to come to me as soon as you say it. Is, was it his center? Was it the offensive tackle? Hmm. Ah, you guys suck. Gary Zimmerman. Gary Zimmerman. Oh, God. I knew him better as a Viking. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was there. He was a Viking. But a pretty interesting career, right? USFL and then makes the Hall of Fame and also literally. So I guess he called out some of his teammates privately to a reporter who then published everything. And it got him and he got ostracized by his teammates in Minnesota. And so Hmm. that's when he was like, well, fuck that. I'm not talking (laughs) to those bastards anymore. anymore. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) And, 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 And by the way, buddies, if you knew it was good for you, you'd follow my lead on this and not talk to him either. So, uh, wow. Anyway, that's uh, Gary Zimmerman. Gary How's everybody Zimmerman. doing? Doing good. well. Doing great. Yeah, I missed well. you guys. We're good. Yeah. You guys. Thanks, thanks to the Suns, I'm not upset about the Sixers anymore. Ah, well, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, boy, some real bed shitting in the, in the NBA, I guess, huh? Wow. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, I guess I don't really – so. You know, Pope goes away on this fancy vacation and uh, he's traveling the globe and we ask him to, you know, hey, if you want to send in a little note about something notable in sports, that's great. We'd love to have you. I think Pope recorded his own podcast while he was down there. Oh we're going we're gonna to have to somehow could you, figure out a could way you to summarize it for us. Oh, no, here we go. I don't know. I'm not sure it could be summarized. I mean, how long is the summary of uh, War and Peace? War and Hope. Put a pot of coffee on? Yeah. War and Hope. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's anyway. But, this uh, before. Doesn't let's let's well. let him kick off. Uh, let's see. We could do this here. Okay. Well, why don't you play back last week's episode where he said the Celtics were in trouble? 
Yeah. Ooh. Okay. All right, we're going we're gonna to take it to our correspondent, Brian Pope, to start with the West, the NBA West. Live from St. Bart's. Yeah. Wow. This is the uh, embed in Oops. West Indies, St. Bart correspondent, Pope of the Sunday morning quarterbacks, reporting for duty on the pod today. All right, just fucking get hey, to it already. Shut the fuck up, dude. Luca oh. is the man. He's the best player left in the playoffs. Wow. And after last night, there's no doubt the oh, Mavs sweet. are on the march to the finals. Oh, boy. Yes, you oh. heard it here. Wow. The Mavs are on the march to the finals. They are the best team in the West since the trade deadline, since the current composition of this team, 36-12. and 12. They've won three out of the four games against the Warriors this year. The Warriors have no defense. They've got no solution for the five and out that the Mavs are running right now. And when you have guys like Spencer Dinwiddie show up and score 30 off the bench and J.B., is still pouring in 24 or so a game. Luca doesn't have to be the hero. He can score 30 points, 35 points, dish out the assist, get the boards, and they're going to be tough to contain. I like the Mavs in six. I like a closeout game in Dallas. I will be there. I cannot wait for this series. The Mavs are ahead of schedule, and I think it's going to happen, guys. So you heard it here from the French West Indies. Pope is predicting the Mavs in six. Wow. As far as the East. All right, let's stop him there. They created a new fan out of Pope quick. Wow, really? Didn't Pope from the West Indies pick the Suns in seven last week? Yeah. (laughs) I think he did. Yeah. I think last week it was Pope from, I don't know, uh, somewhere else, Puerto Rico, maybe. I've never seen so much confidence. Oh, my God. It comes out with a a very smart hedger. So this is as confident as Pope gets. In a big uppercut to to Nick Verderami right out of the box. Right I mean, out that, of the box. That was the kind of uh, irrational exuberance we've come to know and love from uh, one house in Philadelphia sports scene from time to time. Yeah. Uh, only to have it dashed and crushed and, and watch the little spirit get. Yeah, but that's part crushed. of my persona. That's that. I'm okay with that. Right. <laughs> Pope doesn't. Pope does not want to enter into asshole territory. Yeah, it's not right. a good idea. Borderline. Definitely borderline, so that's true. All right, so what do you guys think of the West? Well, I I do got to say this about this dumb Verderame. I mean, I love having him call in on the mailbag, but he posted on Twitter that Luca – May 5th. Yeah, that that Luca is a one-dimensional player. And then then when when Rooster challenged him to say that's a cold take, he doubled down on it. And – he, here's what Luca's numbers are. This is one dimensional. He outscored the fourth place MVP in points, 218 to 164. He out rebounded a seven footer, DeAndre Ayton, 69 to 57. He out assisted point god, CP3, 44 to 40. And he out stole, he had more steals than the defensive player of the year runner up, McCall Bridges, 15 to nine. Tell me that's wow. one dimensional. Well, it's not one dimensional. I think what I think what Verderami may have been referring to are games here and there where Luca can get lost in holding the ball and then dribbling it, dribbling it, dribbling it, dribbling it, looking for a step back three. They can't win when he does that. But I think he's gotten away from that and learned to play with the other guys on the team. And he showed it. I mean, he closed out the Suns, who were the best team in the league. And and the stats that you just cite cited speak for themselves. How big of an upset was this, guys? Put this in perspective for the average fan who doesn't understand the NBA. So for you, Milk. Um, yes. Yeah, right. so, so I mean, can we let's let's not even talk about the magnitude of the upset. What about just how badly Phoenix right. you know shit all over themselves yesterday? I mean, what would they what they had thirty five points? Luca had as many points. Thirty seven. Right. Yeah, their starters had 37 points, yeah. They had 50 going to the fourth quarter at home in a game seven. That's incredible. That they're, they're, the guy drafted number one the year Luca was drafted number three, DeAndre Ayton, played 17 minutes in that game. I don't think there was a team in the whole NBA, East and West, I don't think there was a team five or six games of them in terms of wins this season. This was 
this was a Titanic upset. Um, and the Mavs really, really figured it out. Like, I think what, you know, I, what Bison was saying at the top about teams shitting the bed. I mean, there were no close games in the second round. It was either a blowout or nothing. But I think what you what we really saw was there's a difference between regular season basketball and playoff basketball. And um, I mean, the Mavs really players like, like Dinwiddie, like Jalen Brunson, like Kleber. I mean, all these guys came alive, by the way, Doncic's numbers career in game seven in elimination games are 38, nine and eight. Not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and he came out, of, he came out of the gate hot in that game. Yeah. Well, what it's about the a, other series in the West? By the way, that's the kind of video from Pope right there that that makes you actively root against the team moving forward. Right. Right. Like, like right. right. Definitely can't can't root for Dallas at this point. It's over. We're all Warriors fans now. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Pope. There Thank was no that. smile. I mean, it was just pure anger and yeah, yeah, cockiness. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think that um, you can say necessarily that the jaw injury is what shut down the Grizzlies because in game five, they won by 40. I think, I mean, they, they absolutely ran golden state out of the gym. I mean, they could play without him. They play without him well during the year, but ultimately um, golden state has a seasoned team between Draymond and clay and Steph. And now, you know, Kevin Looney and, and Jordan, Jordan pool, Jordan pools, uh, could well have been. I mean, I think Rooster had him as the uh, most improved player over Ja, mm-hmm. and he showed it in the playoffs. They Pope is right though about one thing that with that Gary Payton injury, that's their best defensive stopper. I mean that 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 is who they're going to need against Dallas. So they're going to have to shut down the perimeter. We'll see. But they have so much backcourt scoring that Luca's going to have to play defense on every play. He he's not going to be able to. Take it, take take a playoff on defense. Like well, too bad he's one dimensional. He won't. Yeah, well, no. yeah. All right. Well, good stuff in the West. Um, I'm I'm sure this will come as no surprise. Pope has something to say about the uh, about the East too. So Uh-oh. let's take it to uh, to Brian. Take it <laughs> like over to Brian Pope. Yeah, let's go. Guys, I'm I've never been a fan of the Heat as a number one seed, and I just think I think the Celtics, who by the way have the best record since the trade deadline. I think the Celtics are on the way after that big comeback game six, winning in game seven, going away, blowing them out. Uh, I like the Celtics over the heat. There's no answer for Jason Tatum, and he's going to be the man in this series. Uh, as to the... All right, we'll stop him there. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got more to say. He's got more. We'll come back oh, to the again later. You know, it's um, funny because he was speaking very highly of the heat a couple of weeks ago. Right. Now, very interesting. Well, listen, um, speaking about the heat, my heat. Um, oh, my God. Right. This is your team, buddy. Congratulations, <laughs> Mace. Thanks, guys. I appreciate Congrats, it. man. I can't wait to get around to the Florida Panthers also. For uh, I can't help but notice that you've moved on to baseball season. Your background there. There's no, no pictures of Embiid or, or Maxi or Ben Simmons. I mean, not Ben Simmons. Uh, <laughs> uh, I couldn't I couldn't really get a clear picture of a fractured orbital bone and a torn. Who's the other ligament. max contract? Oh, there are two other max contracts on the team. Harden and Tobias. Harris. Yeah, I'm seriously thinking of changing my name away from Tobias after that series. I just can't. I can't. What ha- what happened? Well, what happened is that James Harden, if you guys get a chance, you have to watch this three-minute breakdown that Tim Legler does of James Harden in the, the final game. He absolutely destroys, destroys, destroys him in game six. Um, Harden is not the playmaker he was. Embiid even said that in his presser. Um, you know, did Danny Green's injury hurt? Yes, but they were they were blown out. Miami is what I was talking about. Their team, their playoff team basketball. And Pope's wrong. Jimmy Butler is exactly the antidote that can shut down Jason Tatum. He is an incredible defensive player, and he's Mr. Playoff Basketball. I, I, while I like the Celtics' chances, Tatum is definitely stoppable. Right, right. The Celtics need Jalen Brown to come alive. Hold on, hold on, hold on, House. How much of this loss 
goes on Toronto because I, I the injury to Embiid. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think you got to blame the city of Toronto. I do. They're they're vicious. Um, they're evil. They yeah. laugh about it. Uh, I can't wait till we talk about hockey because you know, get what you get. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, I think the the injury to Embiid. I, I'm I'm worried that you guys know what I've been down on the road on, with Carson and the injury thing. I mean, I know Bison joked about it in the past, but when you're six, seven foot tall, seven foot two and two eighty five, you're going to get injured. And if injuries are a part of the game and Embiid gets injured a lot, it's going to be hard to get a championship if he's I, injured at the critical time. I think you have a bigger problem. And I, and I texted this to you and I, and I think you agree, but this is the second year in a row we're putting, putting Embiid aside. Uh, the team quit. I mean, they look like they quit the last two games and there's just no fight in them. And, and boy, I mean, is that a doc rivers thing? Is that a, is that an Embiid thing? I mean, what what is that? Why is it? I mean, Embiid seems to play hard. You're right; he gets hurt, and he still goes out there and keeps playing. He does now. He's he has called out a teammate twice. You know, not not harshly, but he has called out a, a teammate two times now uh, after after going out in the playoffs. Is, is the chemistry just fucked on that team? I, I think uh, series after series they were getting killed on bench scoring. They have a decent starting five. They've nothing coming off the bench. Well, why did uh, they let Jimmy Butler go? What was the, th- what was the thinking behind that? There's, there were, there were a couple of people behind that, but in the end it was actually, this is why we hate Ben Simmons. So, yeah, so it was bad. It uh, was a decision basically between Ben and Jimmy. Jimmy came to Brett Brown and management and said, it's him or me. I can't play with this guy. And this guy's a baby and I'm not, I'm not dealing with it. And Al Horford, Al Horford, who's now in the Eastern semis, basically put his bet on on Ben and uh, said, I, I, I think Jimmy's a problem in the locker room and, you know, can be selfish on the floor. And I think we keep Ben. And that was a big influence to them keeping Ben and shipping Jimmy. Yeah. It was the mistake is mistake Oops. of the franchise. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Oops. All right. Well, listen, it, it sucks to have your team go out. A uh, few of us know what that feels like. So, um, sorry. I do. I do, sorry, I do think it's, it's worth us or anybody commenting on kind of a little bit of shrinkage on Giannis in that big game. I, that really surprised me. I thought Giannis was going to take over that game. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I mean, yes, we can talk about how good the Celtics were, but the Bucks were bad and Giannis wasn't great. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, it, it's right. going to be interesting. The next series is going to be interesting because I, I think what Pope said, all, all kidding aside about the Heat not being a, a number one, you know, that's what everybody keeps saying about him. And, and you know, you did, you almost it was like, who's the number one seed? That, that's how the playoffs have sort of gone on the East is wait, wait, Miami's number one, uh, except they look like it. I mean, they, they've looked like it the way they've dispatched teams at this point so it's going to be a really interesting series but i'm not sure why you would just you know count out miami as good as boston's been playing since the trade deadline i don't know that you just look past miami look past them at your own peril i guess right right but the one thing pope was correct about is the celtics since late january have been the best team in basketball and it's sort of when it may and udoka's new philosophy took hold and it took a while and he finally got these guys to stop. You know, the rest of the league was like, you know, there's, there's two guys on that team who want to, who want to score and we need to defend this team by keeping Tatum and Jalen Brown from scoring and Tatum and Jalen Brown's response to that early in the year was hold the ball and go one on five, hold the ball, dribble, shoot. And Coach Udoka finally convinced them to to a, you know embrace a movement offense, pass the ball as soon as you get it, and eventually you'll get it back and you'll have an open shot instead of having to work so hard to get your shot off. Once they started doing that, man, they're they are a really good team. And the defense we already talked about a couple of weeks ago, the defense is the team defense is amazing. I, I think that the 
I think the Celtics win this series in six or seven. And, um, but you're right. The heats, the heat have defied all predictions and may just do so again. If, 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 uh, Struess and hero, their lights out three point shooters stay hot. I don't think the Celtics have an answer for that. They might have an answer for Jimmy Butler. Marcus smart can shut down that, but I Struess and hero off the ball <laughs> shooters. They're crazy. crazy. Smarts good. out in game one. Oh, well, that's big. Yeah. Yep. By, by the way, final and, note on the on on the Suns, I think that window's closed. I, th- yeah. I think it's done. Yeah, I think, yeah, Chris. I said two weeks ago, Chris Paul is good every other game at his age and with his in- injury history. He can't go back to back big games. Or and if he does, the next game he's just dead. I don't know what happened to Booker, and I still have no idea what in the hell happened to DeAndre. Um, he he played none of the fourth quarter. They're not going to resign him. So I think eight and gone and Paul now coming in year 19 or whatever. I think the Suns are done. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Same with Utah. Right. Well, the only thing that uh, takes a little longer than the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. And I think um, <clears throat> we've had, we've had some uh, nasty talk here between some colleagues. We're going to open the phone lines now and we have one moose jaw dialing in. Moose Jaw dialing in from Toronto. Oh, hello, Moose Jaw. Are you there? Is it raining? Yeah, beaten down, man. Do you have anything that you want to say to to Milk and the and the Tampa Bay Lightning? Maybe a queen. First, I gotta say something to Tobias. Okay, (laughs) Tobias, don't change your name. Okay, you got something to say? You say it in person. You don't say it over Zoom or anything else. (laughs) You know, you know what? Joel Embiid even said Siakam didn't do anything on purpose. And injuries are part of the game. The Toronto fans sucked by booing. The announcers sucked. But stop blaming injuries. Next man up. All teams have injuries. That's all I have to say about Tobias. Don't change your name. I'll talk to you in person about that. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's- that's solid advice. It's going to be like a welter, like a, like a super lightweight flyweight uh, cage match between. It's going to be a bot. We're going to know. It's a, it's a, a bantam weight. Bantam weight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to watch that. Who <laughs> are like the five six five seven slap punching with their heads turned away? It's going to be entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Moose Jaw, can you ask Queen Elizabeth to turn up the volume on your phone? No. Okay. Now, I got to say something to Milk. Okay. Because, because, you know, Tampa, two-time Stanley Cup champions, I kept saying to him in some text messages. It's three-time. Just let's get the facts. The heart of a champion. And and I got a text from him, which I think was sent to the group. 13 minutes left in game six, and he wrote something to the, something like, it's been a good run. He had written the lightning off with 13 minutes to go in game six. Like, that's disgraceful as a fan. I think like, you, uh, you, you house, are we, are we, we're just attacking the fans now. Yeah. House, house, is that where you would say, come in, I believe you're, I believe you like to say, not a real fan. Is that how, is that where you are? Yeah. Arf, he's in, milk's an arf. No, for that's a testament to how much Toronto shit themselves. <laughs> fucking oh. had our ass. I mean, I was legitimately first, scared. And you, I the first when the Leafs shit themselves, they did not shit themselves. They lost, but they didn't shit themselves. Um, if Cal Foot, did Cal Foot really get high stick? They called the penalty. Did he really get hit with the stick above the shoulder? Oh, come on. But we're not going to bring refs into this. No, no, I'm just asking, you know, he made the call. I'm not saying it's the ref's fault, but I'm just asking, did foot get hit in the head or the face that caused his head to flick back? That's all I'm asking. Anyways, Tampa Bay, they're a great team. I knew going into game seven that the Leafs were going to lose the game. You know, you've got. You did it. What kind of fan are you? 
Oh, I, I am. Uh, no, a he's a narf. Listening. He's a narf. No, 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 it's, it's, I, I was cheering like crazy. I was hoping that they would win, but I had to, I know the reality of the Leafs over the last 18, is it 18 years? 18 years. You know, they haven't won a series in 18 years. I think, uh, Milk sent me a stat that the Lightning have won 20 straight, uh, 20 series since the Leafs last won one. Uh, it's actually 21 now. <laughs> 21, yeah. There you go. There you go. Moose Jaw. Moose Jaw. We need a reaction from you. Your coach, after that loss, his response was, well, all I know is we got more respect in the handshake line this year. Has he been fired yet? He should be fired. And I was actually, as I was driving, waiting to come on this fine, fine podcast, podcast, um, I was thinking, you know what the Leafs need to do? They need to do what Masai Ujiri did to the Raptors. Because after the Raptors lost to Cleveland like for the second straight year, they fired Dwayne Casey, who had been coach of the year, and got rid of, and got rid of Dwayne, uh, DeMar DeRozan, which was shocking, and brought in Kawhi. Leafs need to get rid of Sheldon Keith, and they got to bring in someone like Barry Trotz, because I cannot believe he got fired. I can't believe Trotz is available. I Again. agree with you. Again. He's going to the Flyers. He's going to the Flyers. All he does uh, is win. I would, I would get rid of Shel- Sheldon Keith for that comment. Should be fired. It's an actual. Uh, it's an absolute embarrassment that he said that, um, and it, it, it's indicative of the lack of toughness of the Maple Leaf team. Well, well, Moose Jaw, I, yeah. I have a question. I have a question for you. I mean, look. Okay. Okay. Hockey. Yeah. Hockey is without question, the most important thing in Canada, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's religion. What, it's religion. What, it's like- what is the mood? I mean, really, and, and, and this is, I'm not trying to bury you here, but I, I yeah, mean, yeah. Yeah. What, what is the feeling? I mean, how, how do you reconcile 19 straight playoff loss, series losses? Is that what it was, 19? I mean, really, how do you handle that? How, is the, how do Canadians hey, cope with that? I don't think it's uh, well, a lot of Canadians are happy because, you know, there's, you know, people in Montreal and Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, they, they've got their own teams, so they don't give a damn about Toronto. But the, the, the city of Toronto, um, people are really, uh, they're not as upset this year as they were um, when we lost to Montreal last year in Columbus two years ago, hmm. uh, because we were, we were the better teams and we shipped the bread, shipped the bed. Uh, in those series, Tampa is Tampa, um, but it, there's there is a feeling of the building of this team has not been proper for the playoffs because there is a lack of toughness um, on the you defensive think? end. Oh yeah, I mean you know when Morgan Riley is your number one defenseman, you got a problem. You don't have Dude. anyone. There's no defenseman on this team that puts the fear of God with his shot or his well, physical play. There's no Victor Hedman. There's no Victor Hedman. There's no uh, Drew Doughty. And you're not going to – and then you look at the goaltender. Duke Campbell, everyone says, is the greatest guy in the world. Okay. He's not the greatest goalie in the world, and you're not going to win a Stanley Cup without a world-class goalie. Well, it's funny so you, you said that. But it's funny you said that about a tough guy because, um, you know, House likes to uh, – to talk shit about about Tom Wilson, but losing Tom Wilson in the Cap series was was really, I mean, you know, I don't want to say it was game changing because that was such a weird series and and exactly the way the Caps lose a hockey series, you know, um, giving up one goal in a game that they they had sewn up and locked away, and then giving up a three nothing lead. That's that's really quintessential Washington playoff hockey, but. Uh, but losing Wilson was a was definitely a big loss to the team. Listen, Tom, Tom Wilson is is a player. He's like Brad Marchand in that he plays right on the edge. He crosses the line at times, but if he's on your team, you love him just like you love Marchand. If he's a, if you're a Bruins fan, um, they they walk the line and they do cross it at times, and they have to they they get suspended. But I'm sure Ov loves loves having Wilson on his line. Yeah. By the way, I mean, it, you know, you look at the East and Toronto's up and Washington's up. 
and Pittsburgh's up 3-1, and not a single one of them could hold it. No. Well, yeah. the, Leafs, the Leafs were up 3-2. The, the Leafs were up. The, the Leafs series went back and forth. It was 2-all, at least one game. <laughs> they were 3-2. But they were up 3-2? And the and the Caps were up two one, and the Penguins were up three one. Penguins were up three one, and they were up two nothing in games five and six uh, during the game, and they blew those leads. That that is pretty bad. So Musha, uh, let me ask you this: be, yeah. We got the Battle of Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton. We got the Avs Blues. We've got the Lightning Panthers, and we got the Carolina Hurricanes, New York Rangers. Give us. Your expert yeah. Canadian winners go four for four, and we might have you back on. <laughs> Maybe. Right, I got Edmonton, Edmonton over Calgary in six games. Okay. Colorado, Colorado over St. Louis. That's a silly champion. Um, we got uh, Carolina. I. It depends what happens with their goaltending. If they're going to get their, you know, one of their top goalies back. They could beat the Rangers, but if uh, Freddie Anderson isn't coming back, the Rangers in probably seven, and um, which is the last year's Tampa and Florida. I'm going to go with Tampa. Oh, I my mean, God. I I just can't go against them right now. Well, what about for one reason? There is something about that the Florida Panthers have almost zero playoff experience in that team. I mean, they're there's just not a lot of experience in the playoffs and Tampa is just, they are tough. Well, they are just a tough group of uh, hockey players. Well, well, how do you, I mean, even I'm concerned about point with, with point being out and I don't think he's going to play game one. So that's, that's a concern. That's a concern, but I got to tell you, I I really think that hockey because of the nature of the sport, that players, you know, if you play as a forward 22 to 24 minutes of the game, that's a lot. I think you can cover up those things with when you have good depth, which Tampa has. Yeah. So it's, and it's not like you're, you're not missing Sid or a Wayne Gretzky. He's a great player, but I think you can hide those things with a system and just by reorganizing reorganizing the lines. If you lost your number one goalie, then you got a problem. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to hear I'm curious to hear what Pope uh has to say about the Dallas series because I really hope he touches upon what was truly a historic goaltending performance by this young kid. And I, I gotta think yeah. Pope Pope talks on that. So do, does he does he chime in on the hockey? He does. Well, we're gonna to have to save that for later, though. Next week, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, Miller, you haven't given enough credit to Vasilevsky. I mean, he pretty much oh won, he won Game Seven. You he were did. there. It was unbelievable. No, no. I, I, I'll tell you this. I don't think he won Game Seven. He was critical to Game Seven. You know who won Game Seven? Were the Lightning players that were willing to sacrifice their bodies by blocking shots. Over 50% of the shots by the Leafs were blocked by the Lightning before they even got to Vasilevsky. He was a shooting guy. He was fantastic. You guys, um, did did you know that there was a goalie last night who had 64 saves? No. 64 saves this kid had. Ottinger from Dallas. He's 23 years old. Calgary had 39 more shots than the Stars. Ugh. I mean, it, it's insane. There, there were actually, there were 64 on net. There were 134 shot attempts by Calgary last night. 134. Unbelievable. By the way, the stat of the second, um, of the first round, and unfortunately this is going to go against you, Nace, the Panthers were 0 for 18 in power plays against the Caps and won the series. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yep. Yep. All right, good stuff on hockey. Uh, we've got about 12 more months of the hockey playoffs here. Right. Anything else? Good to hear from you, Moose John. Enjoy the golf now. Any? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Miller. Anything you want to say to the Queen on your way out? God bless the Queen. God bless. And to Joel Embiid. <laughs> oh, on interesting. Silence. Silence. On behalf of the people of Toronto, 
we apologize for booing or cheering his injury because that should not have happened. How okay. about though? How about your coach? Like what House brought up earlier, your coach's statement not, that it, at least we got some credit. At least we got no, more right. respect in the line. The handshake line. I mean, I think the fired. whole province of Ontario needs to give us 50 push-ups for that <laughs> pussiness. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to need a note from my doctor. I can't do 50. I really can't. can't. But no, it, it was push-link. It was push-link. We got an apology fired. out of him. That's, that's good enough. All right. That's enough. Thanks, yeah. Miller. For a year. All right, Miller. See you, Miller. See you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. God bless, uh, God bless for the city. Good, good sport. Good sport coming on here. The man really is hurting. Sport. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it's uh, they are hurting bad. There, Queen's gonna take away some rights probably because of this <laughs> failure. Take back some land. Yeah, probably. The Queen is gonna Meghan Markle Toronto. <laughs> oh my gosh, sending oh. Toronto to the U.S. <laughs> All right, well. All right, so let's move on um, to, you know, just as almost as, as shocking a story. Um, God, baseball cannot get out of their own way, right? Yes. I mean, they just can't get out of their own way. And really, if I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Isn't that where, where we should be at this point? Yes. But instead, we got to talk about baseballs. Not baseball, baseballs. And that is because... I don't even understand what's going on. The hitters hate them. The pitchers hate them. Everybody hates the the baseball. It's the fucking name of the game for crying out loud. And everybody's upset about what they've done. And you've got all sorts of weird things happening with, with the seams to have been lowered on the ball. They're, the balls are hanging out in humidors in every stadium for two oh weeks God. at a time. Then, you know, you, you've got, uh, um, Pitchers who are saying that that from ball to ball, they're trying to decide how they're going to throw. I mean, these guys are so good that when they hold a baseball in their hand, they know how long they're going to hold it before they release it, you know, to get a curve. Like that's like if a ball has lower seams on it, the a pitcher is throwing a curveball is going to hold the ball longer to get it to go where he wants it to go. That's how good these guys are. That's how how much the feel and the touch of the ball affects you know their accuracy and they're going from ball to ball in the middle of the game they're having to change the way they wow, play wow, wow. on top of it uh, Rooster's happy because of his yankees so he doesn't want uh, to uh, what's all this crying about you know what the bronx bombers have to say to all this oh my we're hitting God. the shit out of the ball and pitching lights out stop all your crying and well play, you know what and play baseball oh, bitches the, the uh on base <laughs> On base plus slugging for the first 25 games is down a hundred points. Just about a hundred points. Um, guys, what the, what the what hell are they, going what on? Is the, what are they trying to accomplish? Nace? What, what is the point? I mean, I don't know anymore. I mean, I guess that there was a, a thought that there were too many baseballs flying out of ballparks. Okay. And, and so they were, cause that's so what we need to, to do. We right. Need to limit the excitement of a home run. Right. That's right. Um, it's no so, wonder Milk's kids are Yankees fans. We're the, we're the only ones bombing balls over the oh fence. My God. Hey, right now he's starting to sound like Pope. <clears throat> See you next weekend or whatever. I mean, it all, it all goes back. Look, in 2019, I think they had like just a huge spike in home runs in, in baseball, like a huge spike. And then they made some changes to the baseball before the 21 season. And then they had production issues with the ball in 21. So they ended up using two different baseballs. So there was no consistency between the balls. Now we're back to they're manipulating, you know, the ball that what they follow, I guess, is something called coefficient of restitution. What? And, and basically it's the amount of energy that's lost during impact. So the higher the core, the COR, the bouncier the ball. And, and so they try and maintain it in a range so that a certain percentage of fly balls like stay in the park or, or put, put it the other way in 2018, you had 12.7% of fly balls going out of the ballpark for home runs. And then the next year it was up to 15.3%. So they felt like they needed to do something to the ball um, 
and to, to stop that, to bring it back to earth so that you don't have, all of a sudden have, you know, 15% of the balls, fly balls going out as home runs. So they're also, though, they're saying that the balls are also not just less bouncy this year, but they're also less aerodynamic. So the ball's getting hit. It's not, it's not staying up long enough to go out of the ballpark. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't understand why they're doing this, though. I just don't can get I, it. Can I ask you a question? I, I know that college baseball is different than professional baseball, but you played baseball, right? So, so the pitcher, your catcher, the pitcher throws the ball. It goes in the dirt, comes to you. And why can't you just take that effing ball, throw it back to the pitcher and keep going? Like, right. why are we getting rid of 50 that- balls a game? I don't know. I, I agree with you on that. I mean, I, I don't get that. I mean, listen, you throw why the ball. Is the catcher, why is it the catcher's unilateral decision to just toss the thing aside? They do it. Well, I think the pitchers can ask for a new. I don't know. I don't know what the rule is on that, but you see it all the time where the pitcher will throw a ball out and, and ask for a new one. Um, and I don't know if some of that has to do, you know, some of the slipperiness stuff is a safety issue, right? I mean, I think the Mets had like 20 guys hit in the first, you know, 20 games of the season or something ridiculous like that. You don't want to see guys getting hurt because the pitchers can't control where the ball's going. But if the ball, if the ball hits the dirt before the catcher catches it, it's going to scuff it up a little bit, which is a good thing for the grip. So it's interesting though, what you say about the Yankees, because believe it or not, I think they're the only team with more home runs this year through 25 games um, compared to, no, I guess it's the home runs hit compared to expected home runs in 22. So what they expect you would have at this point in the season versus what you actually have. The Yankees expected number was 31 and they actually have 37. Steroids. They must be throwing different balls to Giancarlo Stanton and, and Aaron Judge. This is by, this is by, um, by stadium, by, by ballpark, by the way. Every other one is down, is down um, from or, or the same. But, but very few of them have increased. Uh, Coors Field, which is a wild card. Uh, Citizens Bank Park is three more than expected. And the Yankees are the, the ones that have gone from 31 to 37. So, I mean, which really makes me want to read that letter about how they were cheating and stealing signs, yeah, because this, now this, it just seems oh, like it's not even like trying to, to that, divert so. attention. Anyway, I, I don't know. Didn't you want, didn't you, weren't you complaining last year that you want the Yankees to start producing more runs instead of just swinging for the fences? Now you're happy to them being. They're, well, they're, they're, I think they're actually playing a very well-rounded game. They are hitting a lot of home runs. But their defense is a, a hell of a lot better than it was last year. They're holding runners. Their catchers are holding runners and throwing out runners. I think moving away from Sanchez was a good move. And they're just they're playing a lot smarter defense. It's good. Um, and they're also they're also they're also taking more balls at the plate. So they're getting back to the old Yankees where they made the pitchers work harder. So. I actually think they're playing small ball, but they're just hitting the crap out of the ball. I mean, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton are healthy and hitting the crap out of the ball. They're going to go out of the park. It's just the way it is. The Celtics are going to win the NBA. The Yankees are going to win World no. Series. And maybe the Cowboys will win the Super Bowl. This is going to be great. I'm moving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Have the have the Yankees played the Rays yet? No. Okay. I'll see you. Oh, later. you mean the get the. Yes, we've played the Rays. No, you have not. We? we have not had a series against you yet. All right. Well, you can't make up five games in a three-game series, brah. It's four. It's four. <laughs> four. Uh, anything else on baseball? I mean, it's just a mess. It's, it's just a mess. mess. No, I continue to uh, hate oh, with full passion the ghost runner rule. How about pitchcom though? That has anyone changed their opinion on that? The players have. They I don't, I don't, on I don't what like player. Pitchcom. Pitch players doesn't like it. I don't. I don't. It doesn't bother. Players me. like it now. I mean, please. Whatever. I have a question for you on baseball. Who who are the players in the history of the sport? What who have six hundred home runs, and also pitched a game. Babe Ruth oh. and Albert Pujols. Oh, yes. 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 <laughs> How about that? Right. What in the world is that old man doing coming in and pitching? That was like he didn't hurt his shoulder. 
Who was the guy? Who was the guy? Um, he had an ERA of thirty-six. But no, who were they playing? <laughs> they were playing the Giants. Yeah, they were playing right. the Giants. I think it was on the Giants that he got a single off of Pujols, and then he wanted the baseball. You know, like he was like a kid. Yeah. He was so happy that he got a hit off baseball that he, they, he made them throw the baseball in the dugout so he could keep it. Oh, Pujols God. is forty-two years old. They were up like fifteen to two, and the and somehow he convinces the coach that he should go in and pitch. Fifty-three miles an hour. <laughs> that was funny. Oh God! Ugh. All right. Well, listen, we got a little golf we got to talk about, and uh, before we throw it to Milk, let me let me guess. Pope has something to say. Pope's <laughs> got something to say. You got it. So let's go to uh, Brian Pope. Share the screen and play. PGA, one of my favorite uh, weekends of the year. I love all the major golf tournaments. Um, I'm actually. Uh, Thinking Scotty Schiffler's not going to get the second leg of the slam. Uh, I don't know who's going to get it, but I will tell you, watch out for Jordan Spieth. He is really coming on, starting to play some of the best golf in a couple years. Seems to have his swing back. His life is in good order now. And uh, I, I think he is definitely one to watch for. I mean, obviously, you got the big horses like Rom, DJ, uh, JT. You know, any, any tournament, he can break out and have a big one. Um, so, look, Southern Hills is a great course, a great test. It'll be interesting to see what Tiger does. Not, not sold on Tiger being all the way back, obviously. I'd love to see him make the cut, but uh, as the Masters was a tough course for him to walk, Southern Hills and Tulsa will be just as tough a test, and I'm worried about the heat. It wasn't hot in Augusta. It could be in the mid-90s in Tulsa, and that could wear down other golfers, but especially Tiger. So, hope you guys have a great pod. Uh, this is Pope out from the Sunday Morning Quarterbacks. Looking forward to seeing you all back in the States next week. We'll, we'll stop him there um, before, he gets to his, before he gets to his hockey take, which we may or may not uh, yeah, play. Like, oh, when's, when's the Dallas Stars? Yeah. But, uh, Milk, what's happening? Talk to us about a little golf. Oh, well, I mean, he gave a good, he gave a good rundown. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm excited for this. Uh, I actually, I, I kind of, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I, I sort of agree with him. I had Jordan Spieth as a big, you know, keep an eye on. Although, have you like seen his swing? It's, yeah. how does he, how is he doing so well? Because it really, literally looks like mine. Like, <laughs> in his warm up, he does this crazy thing where it looks awful. And then Did you just I don't, compare yourself to Jordan Spieth. <laughs> He did. I mean, you know, he did. I think we're similar, right? Maybe Zalatoris would be better, a better comparison. I don't understand how Jordan Spieth is playing so well. He's won. He won. He just, he was in second place in the Byron Nelson this weekend, right? So you have the swing of Spieth and the waist of Zalatoris. Yeah. <laughs> why, why would anyone be down on Scheffler right now, though? I mean, I guess he's the obvious choice. I actually like Rory, too. Can't believe I'm going to say that. Oh, I feel like I got a lot of crap when I picked Rory a couple weeks right. ago. I, I, I still like Morikawa. But I think I, I do too. Yeah, I, I like him as well. But yeah, I mean, how can you go against Shuffler right now? I mean, he's the hottest player in, in golf. Um, and I have a feeling <laughs> I'm a little, <laughs> I am concerned about Tiger. Uh, this is going to be a tough course for him. Might be. So, I don't. I, I, this could be one where he doesn't make the cut. I don't know. So last year at this time, the crowds were screaming "Lefty, Lefty, Lefty." It's the first time in uh, first time in a long time, and the fifth time in the history of golf that a majors winner is not defending his title. I mean, how weird is that? That Phil has just dropped out. Well, this whole live thing is unbelievable. Um, did you see today that they? who they originally wanted instead of Norman who Jack, Jack. they offered him a hundred million dollars yeah. yeah. twice. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it sounds like Norman took the money, which is not going well, but all this is happening in the background um, and Phil and they dropping were, out. It's, they were it's selling awesome. franchises. Like Phil was going to be one of the franchisees. Uh, of live. And I think this is all about his gambling losses. I mean, he lost $40 million in like four years. Yeah. yeah. This is, I think there's some 
real stories behind this. And there's a book coming out soon that's got him a little spooked. I think that the book was what was behind that whole quote piece. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, no, 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 that was an article. Now there's a book oh, coming oh. out by that guy Billy Walters, who went to jail for for securities fraud, and then got a clemency from Trump when he got out of jail. And I think he's coming out with a book, and it's got Phil real nervous. Ooh, who won? Who won the PGA the last time it was played at Southern Hills in 2007? Tiger. Tiger. Wake up. He's a defending champ at this course, but the thing that Pope is right about for sure is the star of this weekend is the course. This course uh, is very, very demanding. It has 87 bunkers. The water's in play on 15 of the 18 holes. The average winning score there is minus seven, very low for PGA. But here's what I think is going to be different. Most of the time in the past, the PGA champion was like kind of somebody who came out of the blue because it was played at the end of the year. Right. Uh, at the end of the PGA schedule. Now right. that they've switched it up, you're getting guys that are kind of hot in the beginning of the year, like a guy like, you know, Corey Connors or, or, you know, or Scheffler or Rom. So I think, I think you're going to see the normal headline names on the leaderboard as a, as opposed to a surprise guy. But I agree with Rooster. You, accuracy and iron play is key at Southern Hills. I think Morikawa is going to be near the top. I actually do like Zalatoris also near the top, and yes. I like Connors. And also, if Matsuyama's healthy again, which he looked like he kind of was getting there, look out for him. I don't know. If Sheffer plays like he did, in, obviously, in Augusta with that accuracy, with that iron play. Yeah. Yep. Unreal. It'll be All good. right. Well, it'll be good. Do we uh, do we want to get listen to uh, Pope's uh, final word? Of course. Now nah, you know what I think. Fuck him. He's had enough time on All this right, spot. Let's move House, on. Who's got a punchable face of the week? House, you got one, right? Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, guys, I, I don't want to make this so serious on this punchable face, but this one is one of the more disturbing ones I've heard this year. If you guys didn't hear the story about the Delaware State girls oh, lacrosse team. Yes. Oh, I have not heard this. Yeah, I did. So, Delaware State is uh, one of only two historically black college and universities who have a women's lacrosse team. And they were playing down in a tournament um, or were playing down in Florida against Stetson University. And they were traveling back up on I-95 through Georgia. And the Georgia State Police, uh, actually, sorry, the Liberty County Sheriff, not the state police, the Liberty County Sheriff. Savannah area. Stopped the bus and boarded the bus saying that it was a traffic stop. But when he boarded the bus, and there is YouTube video of this, he got on the bus. He saw that it was a, a team with lacrosse equipment, a whole bunch of girls. And he said, I want everybody to let me know right now whether there's any drug paraphernalia on, on you. This is your only chance. Uh, marijuana is illegal in Georgia. And so if you've got any amount and if you've got any paraphernalia like scales or anything else, this is your chance. And, you know, like they're freaking out, like what is going on here? And they went through all of the girls' belongings. They opened up the cargo luggage. Without a warrant. Without a warrant. They searched everything. They were searching tampon boxes. They were searching everything. They did not find a single thing. And I'm telling you, if the Stetson or you name the white university baseball team was traveling up young, it's not happening. It is just nope. not happening. It's, it's disgusting and scary. It's happening in this day and age. I'm a little surprised there hasn't been more attention to the story. It was hot for about 24 hours, 
but I don't think you've heard the last of it. I, the, the university president intends on suing them and it's just uh, a shame for those girls. You know, it, it, I'm, I'm here in central Europe right now, and it was actually being getting a lot of airplay on CNN Europe until the shootings all started. And then all of a sudden the Buffalo and the California shootings hit the news and, and bumped that story down, but it got a lot of play over here. Mm. Well, Europe is a little bit more enlightened. It's a major Um, constitutional violation. It sounds like you could lock me up Liberty County because I'm punching you in the face. There you go. How good one. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a tough, tough story to listen to. And uh, when you watch some of the interviews with these, these athletes, you know, they, the, the, conversation how they talk about just feeling powerless uh is really kind of devastating because you know they are college athletes but they're young kids too so it's yeah. it's uh it's sad and and um listen i i can't let the punchable face episode you know segment pass by though without at least mentioning the um cincinnati reds who threw a no-hitter and yeah. lost so yeah. we gotta at least the, the at reds least hitters get them. punched <laughs> yeah they they i mean geez where do you go from there uh, Oh, I don't know the batting I mean, the batting cage. Um, oh my so, god! All right. Anyway, um, hey, I've got a lasso for us. Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. Barbecue sauce. <laughs> all right. So, uh, does anybody know and remember Omar Sharif Cook? Probably not. Uh, Omar Cook played high school basketball uh, in in New York, and then he went and played at St. John's. And he was the leader, the assist leader, biggest assist leader during his freshman year at St. John's. Um, He had 17 assists in a game, and I think he was like second on the team in scoring. And then he decided to go into the NBA, and he didn't get drafted until the second round in 2001. Uh, bounced around the D league and really just didn't never really caught on in the NBA um, at all, but you got a guy who loved the game and, and it kind of reminds you, it's a story where you remember that, you know, there's only so many roster spots in the, in the NBA, right? There's like 450 roster spots, I think uh, at any given time. Um, But a lot of guys make a lot of money and have long professional careers playing overseas and Omar Cook uh, went overseas and he's been playing and, and he had a 20 year professional career. It looks like he, uh, after his loss, after the loss yesterday, uh, looks like he's going to call it quits on his career, on his 20 year career. He's going to finish as the number four all time in assists average in Euro league. Uh, and really just uh, a long time, just a guy who loved the game. Uh, certainly playing in New York City and then going to St. John's and being a superstar for one year, he probably thought that his career would uh, would shape out a little differently and that he'd probably win some NBA championships. But the guy loved basketball and he stuck with it, probably made a really heck of a good living. Uh, but he also, the there's a video out there, was going around Twitter, you can, you can find it, um, of the interview and the respect that the the guy interviewing him had for him and for the way he played and his teammates who were standing there with him uh, was pretty cool. So uh, that's that's our Ted Lasso is uh, Omar Cook. Good one. Cheers, Good one. Omar Cook. I see how you You're snuck in the you Europe. snuck in the Big East again, didn't you? That's right. I know you. That's did right. That. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Europe, what's the best city you saw on this little jaunt you were on? It's hard to say. It's it's between Prague, Vienna, and Buda, Budapest. Uh, it's hard to say. They're just it's just the, the history is just amazing. I mean, the, the, some of these buildings go back to like eighteen ninety eight ninety. I'm sorry, eight ninety six in Budapest. There are some rumors circulating that there's a video of you reenacting the Sound of Music twirl <laughs> in the in the green meadow. Is that true? That's not true, <laughs> but I have to say I do love that movie. <laughs> I also heard there's another rumor that you you were doing it nude. Just just so you know. <laughs> Is there any other way to do it? That's one video nobody wants to see. No <laughs> one wants to see that one. <laughs> Anything else this week, guys? Yes, our listeners, as they listen to this on Tuesday, May seventeenth, 
will be celebrating the birthday <laughs> of our producer and host, Chris Bison Nace. Wow, and yes. Yes. Happy our, birthday, Nace. Happy birthday, and our Bison. TikTok producer and great listener, Jake Milwaukee. Yeah, happy, happy birthday, birthday, Jake. Birthday, Jake. Yeah. Happy, happy birthday, Jake. Thanks for all your help, bro. All right, guys. Have a good one. All right. SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.